1: You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is February 7th, 2017. My name is Phil Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com, and today is a special episode of Locked On Magic, another episode of the Orlando Magic Daily Podcast, as we are joined by our special guest from Real GM and Celtics blog. It is Keith Smith. Keith, have you come down from Sunday night yet? Are, are, you, are you still up in the clouds?
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, still pretty psyched. Uh, for everybody who doesn't know, I grew up just south of Boston, about 25 minutes away from Gillette Stadium. And I am a huge Patriots fan, so I'm still, quite frankly, in shock. Got a chance to go to the Magic Kingdom to see James White and celebrate there, and that was just absolutely incredible. I uh, just blown away. I can't can't believe it happened.
0: Yeah. What, what What were your thoughts when when the I mean, not to drudge up bad memories here, but what were your thoughts when the team was down twenty eight to three early in the second half? You know, I I, I not 20?
2: all yeah not all hope was gone, but it was pretty close. I I feel like I've been you know, up and down with this team. I've been through just about everything, thought they could fight back. And the fact that they, they did, you know, is mind blowing. But I think anybody who's watched the Patriots and often has been, you know, has invested in them for the last uh, 15 plus years, like I haven't, or even longer, really my whole life. It's you, you just believed that if any team could do it, that they could. And, the fact that they did was just insane, but but I, I I'm not as far as to say I knew they had it all the time. <laughs> I wasn't there.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, and, and that of course makes it all the sweeter. And so uh, to transition now to what you're here to talk about, better better chance the Patriots coming back from that 28 to three deficit or the Magic making up four games in the final 28 27 28 games of the season.
2: Oh wow! that's a that's a good question. <laughs> I, I think the the Falcons odds. I think through five thirty eight and some of the predictors were like ninety nine percent. So I'll, I'll give it to the Magic, <laughs> but I think it might be equally as improbable. So
0: so you're so you're saying there's a chance. Um, we're saying of, it. Uh, I you know you've actually inspired me. I'm gonna look this up on five thirty eight dot com right now because they do have uh, daily uh, bask daily playoff projections. If if I can find it, I never can find the thing on. Their website, but um, obviously the Magic. You know, you've, you 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 write for real. You write for real GM. Uh, you write for Celtics blog, but you follow the Magic a little bit. This season has been uh, a, a disappointment. Would probably be an understatement. But what if what have been your general um, impressions of the season? What what has gone wrong?
2: Yeah, you know, I think it's been they they're very inconsistent. I think that's the biggest challenge they'll look like world beaters on defense one night and then the next night the defense is completely missing the offense has been a struggle all year as i think we kind of thought it might be and i it, it's been almost the worst of all worlds with the way the offense is played and that's really unfortunate because i, I think we were trying hoping you know that they could could be a better offensive team, and if they weren't, then the defense would be elite enough to carry them. And while the defense has had nights like that, they just haven't had enough nights like that, and not consistent nights like that.
0: Yeah, and I've got the five thirty eight projections up here entering Monday's games. The Magic are currently projected to win thirty one games and have a one percent chance of making the playoffs, uh, a less than one percent chance at the top seed. There's still there's still <laughs> no, there's still, no there's no chance. Um, <laughs> But uh, 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 you know, we had you on at the at the beginning of the season, and I think at that point, you know, the Magic did look like a top defensive, looked like they were on their way to becoming a, a top defensive team. And um, it, it's been extremely frustrating to know that that team from November and December is in there somewhere, and yet they they can't can't bring it bring it out. I mean, uh, have you seen anything like this? Um, it, you know, or, or around the around the league or, or in the NBA, or is it just kind of a uh, you know the team took a lot of risks to try and get their eggs into one basket to make the playoffs, and, and it just hasn't worked out.
2: Yeah, I think around the NBA, the other team that that strikes me as almost as inconsistent as the Magic has been the Portland Trail Blazers, mm-hmm. because they they'll come out and look like that playoff team from a year ago, and then it's the other way; they will look like this incredible offensive juggernaut one night and then the offense will drop off the next. Their defense has been poor all year, but they've had moments where they played okay. So they're almost like the, the magic's like mirror image in a sense <laughs> um, with that. And it's, it's, it's really, you know, it, it, that's, I think when a team is bad by this point in the year, as you're approaching the trade deadline and, you know, early to mid February, you start to, you can almost buy into it if if that's a way to put it not that you're okay with it but you can understand all right they're bad and start looking towards the the future when they're really inconsistent that's a challenge because yeah, we've both seen it there's been nights when the magic look like oh man these guys are getting it and they can get there and i just looked it up they're currently they're the only team in the eastern conference not scoring at least 100 points a game and that's really tough in the NBA especially, right now.
0: Especially in the East, because the East is usually the, the, the conference that's the slow-it-down, low-scores yep. conference.
2: Yeah, the only other two teams that are less than 100 points per game are Utah, but Utah plays at a glacial pace, so that's not surprising. Yeah. And then the Dallas Mavericks, who have been through you know an injury-ravaged season, and that's really changed the way that they play as far as pushing pace. So, you know, with the scoring up around the league like it is, to be less than 100 points is almost a death knell, and that's what's really killing the Magic.
0: Yeah, and and the Magic, of course, are are bottom 10 in both offensive and defensive rating. I think they're still probably 29th in the league in offensive rating, uh, ahead of only only Brooklyn, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, And I think they're 21st in defensive rating this year, which, um, you know, essentially, if you go by net rating, which I think a lot of the stat heads will say is is a better uh, better, – uh, Got measure for how good a team is. The Magic are like twenty seventh, twenty eighth, essentially the third worst team in the league. And so it, you know, for a team that had the playoff aspirations and and does seem to be very uh, focused on getting over the hump and getting to the postseason, it I think it makes the next two weeks for the team extremely important. Obviously, they have two weeks of games. And then the trade deadline is coming up. They got five games for the trade deadline. So we're going to get into the trade deadline pretty heavily here. But I would say at this point, four games out of the playoffs, the Magic are probably more sellers than buyers at the trade deadline. Is there something the Magic can do in the next five games to change that posture and say, you know what, we're close enough that we think we can find something to improve our team and get to the playoffs now?
2: Yeah, so that's really interesting, and you kind of you know touched on it a little bit there. Is that despite it all, they're only four games out. Yeah, and that's that's you look at what Miami's done,
0: You look at what Miami's yep. done to get to two games, two games out. I mean, the Magic can't obviously burn ten games in a row before yeah. the trade deadline now, but you know, you get five, and now I think you're you're thinking of. I mean, even like I'll I'll say this. I was walking out of the stadium with with uh, with. Uh, 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 with uh, one of the writers for Orlando Pinstripe Post. And, you know, we were talking after the Magic beat the Raptors and they looked really good in that win Friday. And we were like, what is the point where, you know, is there a point where if the Magic can just build some momentum and burn some wins off that they all of a sudden say, you know, maybe we keep a and see if we can add something to this team to make it better and get to the playoffs this year.
2: Yep. And that's, that's exactly it. So I'm glad you mentioned the Heat because the Heat, up until, you know, this run over the last really three weeks or so, they were considered to be out. It was them, Brooklyn, Phoenix, and the Lakers were all the teams that were out of it. They were done. They were all going to start selling off pieces. And then all of a sudden you have the heat rip off this 10-game win streak. Coinciding with that, you've continued to see teams like Chicago and Detroit struggle. They're, you know, playing right around 500 basketball over the most recent stretch, and the Charlotte Hornets have completely fallen apart with a seven-game losing streak. So now, all of a sudden, Miami's sitting here two games out. So, like you said, the Magic can't rip off that kind of run before the trade deadline, but they win. What if they win four out of the next five and Detroit and Chicago both lose four out of their next five? Now, all of a sudden, the Magic are sitting there like two games out. You know, that's, that's the issue around the entire NBA right now is – there's really only a couple teams that are completely out of the playoff picture and are looking forward to next season already. And everybody else has themselves convinced, you know what, maybe we can make a run. And that's why we're not seeing a lot of action right now. There's been a lot of talks, but nothing's really going on. Charlotte and Milwaukee made that uh, kind of minor big man swap. But beyond that, right now you've got a bunch of teams that are still, you know, this close to the trade deadline, three weeks or a couple weeks away, two and a half weeks or whatever. Two two
0: weeks of basketball and then the all-star break.
2: Yeah, it's, you're sitting here with that many teams still in it, which is a very rare thing in the NBA. Usually, you know, half of the non-playoff teams as the standings sit today are completely out of it and looking to sell off and move towards next year.
0: We'll we'll get to, we'll get to to the magic specific stuff in, in just a bit, but but th- this is something I did want to ask you as well. Uh, what exactly is the the process at, at this stage? I mean I mean I know I get a lot of uh, comments from from fans and followers saying, you know, why don't the magic just make a move now? Why why are they waiting? What what's with the wait until the deadline? And I say, well, you know. Teams aren't ready to deal quite yet. They're still trying to see if they can get a little bit more, or wait till someone else gets gets free. I mean, we've seen now this this rumor come out about LeBron James and Chris Paul both pushing their franchises really hard to go after Carmelo Anthony. Uh, it, it, it just it's even though it's three weeks away or two weeks two weeks away from the trade deadline now, it's still pretty early to see anything serious get done. Like, what what, what exactly is? the process from from what from the sources that you've talked to and what you what you've gathered. What exactly is the process and what stage of the process are we at right now as far as getting ready for that trade deadline?
2: Yeah, so I think in a normal year or in the case of let's say a Brooklyn Nets right now, the you're really starting to look at, all right, these are the guys who are on the block. You're very open and honest about it. And you're opening that dialogue. For all the teams who are still in it, what they're looking at at the moment is it's starting conversation. It's really just, Hey, what if, you know, and it's a kind of a phone call of if you guys fall out, you know, what would you be looking for, for player X, you know, or on the flip side, Hey, if you make a run here and you're in it, you know, are you interested in player Y from our squad? So that's where it is right now is it's that conversation has set things up. The one thing that always strikes me and I, and I was the same way. At you know, one point in time or another where I was just like, oh, make a move already. You know, we've been hearing about this for, you know, however long. Making a trade in the NBA is extremely difficult. Even one as small as that Charlotte Milwaukee trade, which a lot of people are like, man, that's hard. Like, it's very hard. And, you know, and I like to tell people and remind them that you're not you're not on NBA 2K. You're dealing with real people here in real life. You know, when things happen, and unfortunately, sometimes things get out that probably shouldn't get out. And that's another thing that comes up all the time is, you know, hey, where do you you guys hear this from? You know, some of it comes direct from the teams and from those involved, but you also have the players themselves. You have their agents, their trainers, their handlers, their friends. You have people who work for the team that aren't necessarily in the front office but do have an idea of what's going on. Um, you have agents, you know, you have all of those people. So so sometimes things get out and that can sometimes, you know, either accelerate things for a team or really kind of ruin things for a team. We've all heard of those deals where it's like, man, you know, once it got out and the public opinion skewered it, the team backed away. You know, and sometimes it's intentional too. Yeah. And, and so, and,
0: yeah. And, and, no, and you hear, and I think a, a big thing that a big part of that, that no one, you know, maybe realizes is that, these GMs go out and, and do their homework on on the players they're they're looking to acquire. Like I remember, um, you know, or if they haven't done their homework, they they at least have some background information on guys they acquire. They're not just gonna, you know, again, it's not like UK where, you know, you look at the player ratings, you look at the stats and say, okay, yeah. that makes sense. I mean, there's personalities, um, there there are other issues that you know that may come up. And like I like I, I, I like I've heard this said a few times when when you're trading. There's always a reason you're making a trade, and you always yep. have to be cognizant of why a trade is being made, why a player is getting moved. I mean, uh, we'll talk about Serge in a little bit, but Serge Ibaka, the reason the Magic are moving him is because his contract is expiring. It's not necessarily uh, an issue, but you know, you look back to, to other trades. You know, when the Washington Wizards traded Gilbert Arenas, why were they trading Gilbert? Why were they open to trading Gilbert Arenas? Injury problems, the the, the incident in the locker room. Uh, there were plenty of reasons why. and and Otis Smith had to vouch for Gilbert Arenas pretty heavily to to ownership to to get the magic to do that deal, whether there was a good deal or not is certainly uh, another matter for debate, but um and not much of debate honestly. but uh, but, you know you you have to do your homework, too. And so, um I think at this point, it, I think at this point, you're right, it's still very much a, a vetting process. let's Let's see what's out there and make sure we're on top of things so that when we get to that deadline pressure and, you know, the clock is ticking to the deadline. We're not, you know, caught with our pants down, just kind of making a deal to make a deal.
2: Yeah. So I want to hit on two things with what you just said. The first is, you know, it always reminds me of, I have a good friend. We've been playing in the same fantasy football league forever. And there's times when we'll say to each other, you know, hey, this has been boring. Let's make a trade. And it's just because it's fun, right? Mm-hmm. This isn't fun. I mean, not that being an NBA general manager <laughs> isn't fun. I'm sure there are moments when it is, but this is real life, and this is there. So they don't just make trades to make a trade because it's fun, right? So that's that's the first thing I think people need to understand. The second thing is there's the real
0: there's real money involved. Like I mean, yep, we, real money we, involved we, in real people. Yeah, and yeah. when we and like when we think about it, like the a five million dollar contract right now is the mid level exception. That that feels like nothing compared to the salary cap, mm-hmm. but to the owner trading away. you know a five million dollar contract to bring in a a, a seven million dollar contract he's going to ask why am i paying two extra million dollars like that that's it sounds small but it is real
2: yeah absolutely and that's exactly what we're seeing with the cavaliers right now right is it's very easy for lebron to say hey go get us more help and they do have trade exceptions they could bring that in but dan gilbert i mean they've got the highest salary yeah they got the highest
0: payroll in the league
2: yeah and the the other thing i wanted to hit on with why we don't see trades until the deadline is two two reasons right one is deadline spur action we always hear that all the time the second reason why we wait is teams are going to wait to hold out because a lot of times the thought is maybe there's a better offer you know are we getting the absolute best offer we can get you know is there one more you know better offer that's going to come in And that's why, you know, it always seems like on the most active trade deadlines, we kind of sit around all day. And then at about between 2 and 2.30, we start hearing a flurry of moves. And then right at 3 o'clock, the deadline's over. But then we we always get that, you know, last tweet that comes in like, so-and-so got it it to the league office just waiting for approval. And sometimes it's, you know, 4 o'clock and we finally hear the details of, you know, what the deals are. So that's what's really um, important to remember here is teams are not going to rush into something. There's no reason to rush. Bad teams are bad teams. They're they're not going to rush. Good teams aren't generally going to rush because that's a the reason they're a good team. They don't try to rush things. You know, they yep. take their. They time. have a
0: process. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Yep. Yep. Uh,
0: yeah, and and I mean, like I mean, I remember the story of JJ Redick getting traded. Um, and and when the Magic traded JJ Redick, the Magic were in Memphis, I believe. Getting ready to travel to Dallas or Dallas or traveling from Dallas to Memphis, I forget which one. Uh, And Reddick got on the Magic plane. It was, you know, thirty minutes of the deadline. They told Rob Hennigan from all the accounts, told JJ Reddick, you are not getting traded. He was on the Magic plane. They were getting ready to take off, and they literally stopped the plane. Conducted the deal that brought in Tobias Harris. Told JJ Reddick, and within fifteen minutes, he was he was off the plane and, and heading off to Milwaukee. Uh, and, and, and things do happen that fast uh, at the trade deadline when teams become desperate. And the Magic, we're going to let J.J. Redick walk and, and get nothing in return. And instead, they got a nice young player in Tobias Harris, which, um, you know, played pretty well for the Magic for the rest of that season for the next two seasons, essentially for the next season and a half after that.
2: Yeah, and that's the story, I think, when the Celtics got Isaiah Thomas, I believe he walked onto the team bus and they're like, uh, we think you just get traded. And it was because I think someone else had seen it on Twitter before the team had even got to them. And that's the, you know, that's the other thing is, you know, we're, we're in a new world now, right? Yeah. It's not, a, you know, thing, things get out there, they get out there quickly and people can be on them so fast. You know, it's no longer where it's, you know, all right, I'm going to run back, I'm going to rush all the way back and, you know, file my story and get it printed, all these things, you know, it's, everything's instantaneous. The other thing you touched on way back was that teams teams do their work, and it's a process, and they've got this. We see this at the Magic games, right? Every game there's at least anywhere from four to eight scouts, yes. usually, from multiple teams. And it's usually a couple of them are advanced scouts who are actually scouting the team and the plays and what's going on as far as that because they're playing the Magic or whoever the Magic are playing down the line. But the rest of those guys, they're there. They're pro personnel scouts, and their job is to evaluate talent and those guys are in the building so early because they're watching the guys. Let's use, for example, uh, let's use Mario. Right? Doesn't play a lot, so they're there watching Mario go through his pregame work because that's he might be the only time you get to see him. So you're watching him for how hard is he working? What's his shot look like? Is he moving well? If it's a guy who's coming off an injury, what what does he look like? And it's all because that's part of that process that the general managers have their front office staff go through to vet a player and then that's just the on-court then you have all the off-court pieces you mentioned Gilbert Arenas great example because it's go into you know what's this guy's like personality how's he going to fit in is our owner going to put up with it is our owner not going to be okay with it and those are all the conversations that need to happen before a team can really you know move on a deal it's again it's not as easy as just I like that guy do the salaries work yeah well pull the trigger and make it happen you know this, this isn't the 1950s anymore where a couple of guys have a couple of beers and make a, make a crazy trade.
0: <laughs> and Red Arbuck just swindles everybody
2: yeah exactly <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, let's let's okay so we've, we've generally got an idea of, of the trade deadline and how the process works. let's let's move on to the Orlando magic and, and before we talk about the team as a whole, I think the the one guy that we have to talk about and kind of hammer out uh, because I think at this point it, it feels even if the magic do make a push it feels inevitable. That the Magic are going to have to make a decision on on Serge Ibaka and what to do with him in the future, and obviously, uh, not ideal with, with what the Magic gave up for him. But they invested a lot in him. It doesn't look like the season's working out. It, it feels like he's prepared to leave in free agency. If if you believe certain Twitter accounts or who they claim to be, um, you know there there's certainly some some rumors flying around from people close to close to Ibaka that he's not exactly thrilled about what's going, what's happened in Orlando. Um. Although he's although Ibaka himself has said all the right things to the media, uh, uh, and and has said he's trying to focus on the basketball this year. Um, where do things stand with Serge Ibaka right now? I mean, I know you've you've done some reporting on this, and you've talked to some some pe- some people who know who know things about the Magic's thinking. What's what's the status on on Serge Ibaka?
2: Yeah. So I'm gonna start with when the Magic acquired Serge Ibaka. I 100% believe the Magic and Serge Ibaka that the goal was that he would be here Mm long-term. This was not a short-term push-in-and-get-after-it kind of move. This was a,
0: you know, that was was, obviously... It was was a calculated risk.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and the goal was to be a good team this year and potential playoff squad. But their first piece was, you know, we want this guy long-term. Now, the season's gone along. It's been a disappointment. Ibaka, although he's looked good at times, probably hasn't delivered quite what the magic had hoped for. You have the fact that he's 27. I'm not going to get into no I'm
0: not touching that one either.
2: <laughs> yeah, to me, I feel like that's a little bit of nonsense. But he is, you know, 27. And if anything, I feel with like some,
0: With some that. previous knee issues.
2: That's it. So that's where, when I say this, meaning what I'm about to say is he's an old 27. It's because of that. It's not because I think he's 35 it's because I feel like the injuries have kind of hampered him. He's not explosive anymore. And I mean, what used to be so explosive, mm-hmm. and he would make big plays. So now you've got this guy who he's an expiring contract, and it's always tough because we you see it all the time. You keep that guy, and then if he just walks in the off season, literally the magic are left with nothing after trading Victor Oladipo, the pick that became DeMondis Sabonis, for him. I, Ilyasso, I don't really count the deal because – Okay, he doesn't even have him anymore.
0: And, so, and I mean and, and essentially the Magic weren't using him at all when, when yeah. he left. I mean, I, I don't think they felt like they were losing anything. They were gonna cut him if they kept him.
2: Yeah, that exactly. That was just a salary matching piece. So anyway, you've got those that that's the risk you run is you know, if he leaves, now you're left with nothing for the guy who was, you know, at this time last year, the, the face of the franchise almost along with Eric Gordon. And now, you know, what do you do? And I think it's important that the Magic don't, you don't make, you know, one mistake after another. You know, you don't, you don't make one bad one worse by compounding it with another one. If the right deal is there, I think they're going to move on. There's been a lot of talks. A lot of teams have interest because Sergio Ibaka does still bring a skill set that's desired as a stretch for. So a lot of teams have expressed interest and would love to have him on the team. And I think it's for Orlando. It's filtering through what's the best deal on that. I feel like it's more of a lock that he gets traded than not at this point, just the sense I'm getting um, from around the league and how interested teams are in him. I feel like the Magic can get a decent return for him, and I feel like they're a little bit under pressure to recoup some value for a guy who hasn't delivered and, again, may just walk at the end of the season.
0: Yeah, and and, it's, and I I don't think it's necessarily a full indictment of the way Serge Ibaka has played. I, I think when the Magic—I agree with you. When the Magic acquired Serge Ibaka, they had every intention of re-signing him to a long-term deal uh, at the end of this season and making him part of the franchise's future. I, I, have no, I have no doubt about that. They obviously don't make a deal like the deal they made without doing it. And I think the expectation somewhat was, we're going to bring in Ibaka and— give him a more expanded role than he's seen in Oklahoma city. And he's going to thrive in that role. He's going to be more engaged offensively. He's going to be more engaged defensively and kind of return back to, to where he was a few years ago. If there is a miscalculate, I mean, in all essence, Ibaka had his best offensive year of his career as, as somewhat inconsistent as he's been, he's averaging career high in points per game. He's shooting the ball at near career high levels. His defense is at least as good as it was last year. And, and, as much as people like to talk about Ibaka's defensive deterioration, he was still a plus defender last season. I mean, it, it's not like he, he's not an all-defensive team player anymore, but he's still a good defender. Uh, and so the Magic have gotten parts of what they wanted from him, but maybe not everything that they wanted from him. And, and obviously, the team's results speak for themselves and, and it's kind of left them in this pickle of, well, we've got it. you know, we've obviously, him is our number one option. We're not winning basketball games number one. And number two, if he's not willing to resign with us, we can't lose him for nothing considering everything we gave up and the direction we want to go with this franchise moving forward.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's, that's the, the tricky part is that's always the risk you, you run, which is funny because it's the same thing if another team traded for him is acquiring a guy on an expiring contract. It's, you know, do you give up something for a guy who either doesn't work out or leaves, or then do you feel pressured? Well, we gotta sign him because you know that I think this is like I said before, this is really important that the magic don't make a bad move worse by making another bad move. Just be smart about what you do next and you know, move on from there.
0: What what do you feel would be and you know, maybe maybe not you don't have to get into specific players because we're we're just speculating at this point, but what what do you feel would be an appropriate return for the Orlando Magic? if and when they trade Serge Ibaka?
2: I'd like to see him get, you know, I think he only really makes sense because of his situation for playoff teams. So it has to be a team that's going to be in the playoffs now. So I think a late first, a non-lottery first is fair, you know, within reason, you know, or even a, you know, protected, you know, maybe a top 20 protected pick, something along those lines. So those are all fair to me. And then if you can also get a young player that maybe, you know, hasn't done much, it needs to, needs a, a needs
1: new, a bigger role. Yeah. It
2: needs a bigger role, new scenery, you know, something like that, um, you know, would make some sense. So those are the kind of things I'd be looking for in trade. And I think that's fair because if you're a playoff team, you're getting a player who, you know, is going to help you get there. So you're not going to push to, you know, you're, the young player should not be too big of a concern. So.
0: Yeah, and I think I think that's kind of where where I'm targeting targeting things too with with Ibaka as well, um, going after a, a young player maybe on a second contract already just to make salaries match, obviously, um, and uh, is ready kind of to step up into a new role or, you know, hasn't maybe lived up to his contract in one city but but you know can still get that opportunity in in a, in a situation like Orlando, where, you know, there's still some pressure to win. But there's maybe less roster pressure or less of a roster crunch to, to to kind of depress his role a little bit, and it's it's hard to point out those players. There are a few teams that I think have become clear targets. Um, you know, obviously Toronto has expressed interest in Ibaka mm-hmm. before, reportedly. Uh, wouldn't surprise me if, if that ends up what what's happening. What other team? I mean, again, I mean maybe people can figure out what kind of players we're thinking about in, in the meantime. But what other teams do? You, uh, what other teams a, are interested in Ibaka? And, and what other teams that that Magic fans should really be honing in on as the trade deadline gets closer?
2: Yeah, Toronto's probably the number one team that gets linked to Ibaka the most. I think it's that perceived hole, or maybe real hole, that they have a power forward. And the fact that with Jonas Valanciunas at center, you need someone who can stretch the floor out of that position, which is what Ibaka can do, so that makes a lot of sense there. Washington's another team who's been linked to him in the past. Again, Marcin it's not exactly a floor um, stretcher, They also need help. You know as much as they can. I have very, very facetiously floated. Well, maybe the Magic can get back Jason Smith and Andrew Nicholson. <laughs> you know, but you know, obviously that wouldn't happen. But it's uh, you know, they're a team that's looking for bench help. You know, and I think if Ibaka was on a good team in a bench role where he could play, you know, maybe 20-25 minutes a night, he'd be really, really solid. Yeah. So that's one. The Celtics, but the Celtics are linked to everybody who comes on. <laughs> It just, you know, by the nature of having a bunch of young players and uh, draft picks coming up and draft and stash guys, they're going to be linked to everyone under the sun. So I don't I don't necessarily get too excited about anything with
1: Boston. Ace is the place
0: with the helpful hardware, folks.
1: It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best selling LED light bulbs. Our four pack of LED bulbs is nine ninety-nine. And our two-pack of LED floodlights is only twelve ninety-nine. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.
2: Indiana is a little bit of a surprising one that has interest in him, and that's just Larry Bird likes them and has liked them for a number of years. So there's some thought that, they might want to get in there and, again, could use, you know, on a, they, they like bigs who can space the floor and, you know, stretch out there. And then once you flip over to the Western Conference, Portland, Portland, again, they've been linked to about every big on the market uh, for the last couple of seasons now. So they're out there. Houston, same kind of thing. They like stretch bigs. Houston, I, I don't see any form of match, though, how yeah, they could pull either. it off that makes sense because the thing people forget is it has to make sense for both sides, not just one. You know, so when people, I, you know, when we first started talking about, hey, Ibaka's name's come up, uh, I had a lot of, oh, Corey Brewer. Okay, sure, yeah, for Houston. Yeah, not do anything for the Magic, yeah. Yeah, and then the other one that's a little bit of a surprise is the Spurs. But the Spurs are another team that's had, you know, linked to Ibaka in the past. He came out of the Spurs, the Spurs guys who – you know, went to OKC, kind of found him, you know, and drafted him there, which the, the reports are that they, the Spurs were looking at him back when OKC originally drafted him. So so plenty of interest, you know, and, in, you know, and it's, I always like to say it's not necessarily the teams you hear a lot about, it's the teams you're not hearing about. So someone sure. will jump in there too that we're not even thinking sure.
0: of. And it, and it sounds like with so many teams needing a big, and, and Ibaka, outside of Carmelo Anthony, it sounds, it, it, it feels like, Serge Ibaka is probably the biggest name out there. Certainly, probably the, the biggest name that, that almost feels certain to, tr- to be traded. And it does yep. feel like it's a seller's market. Like the Magic are going to be able to maybe play some teams off each other as they get closer to the deadline, and go to a, a, a team and say, "Hey, Team B offered us this. You know, what's your what's your counter to that?" Or say, "Okay, Team A offered us that. You know, what? You know, going back to Team B, Team A offered us this. We're going to take it unless you throw in this. Unless you throw in this young guy that we really want." Um, you know, yes. the, and especially as you get closer to the deadline and teams get desperate, then, you know, then, you know, that, that happens. And that, I think is another reason why you wait a little bit for, uh, to, to make these deals and wait for the trade deadline. Cause then you can start using the, the, the deadline pressure against teams to, to just scratch out a little bit more. I mean, it's that everyone kind of forgets the trade deadline is just this gigantic game of poker. Um, every mm-hmm. little bit of information that gets out there is out there for a reason, um, yep. you know, for one reason or another, um. Moving on now to to the magic as a whole, the number one question I get, and, and I think you can hopefully answer this once and for all: um, what what would Boston have to get to give up the pick swap?
2: Oh, for the Nets
0: pick swap? Yes.
2: Oh goodness! Um, wow, <laughs> I would. <laughs> I mean, and people will probably kill me for this and call me a Boston homer on this one, but I feel like... That's that, why I'm asking I'm, you. <laughs> yeah, it would start with probably Gordon and Vooch. And, I don't, yeah, and I, don't I don't even know. Yeah, I don't even think that's, that's enough. That's enough. <laughs> yeah, that's, so the challenge is for the, for the Celtics, they it, it's that's probably the single most valuable asset going. And the reason why is that draft picks are always more valuable when there's a little bit of an unknown. Attached to them, right? Because, mm-hmm. and this is why I've been actually a proponent of the Celtics. If they're going to make a move and go all in and get a superstar, do it now. Because, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm knocking on wood all over my house here. What if that, what if lottery luck, as it has been for the Celtics for a number of years, holds and they fall to three? You know, and now all of a sudden you're not sure. getting full or balls. Sure. And now, you know, now that pick is
0: or Smith. You know, has what,
2: one, yeah, right, yeah. And it's at this
0: point, and and, I and, and, and 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 to to further that point, you already got Isaiah Thomas. Do you really need Fultz, Ball, or Smith? And that and
2: that's a question too. So for me, it comes into it as you know, if you're going to do it, now's the time. You know, when it's because right now, everybody looks and they like, oh man, Brooklyn's terrible, and they're you know, what are they, seven games out of the next closest team, so it's it's a lot, I would say at this point, it's a lot the Brooklyn picks going into the lottery as the number one pick, but rarely does the lottery hold form. So it becomes a, you know, one of those where like, yeah, you know, why, why not? You'll make the move now and get it figured out. So it'll be a, uh, it'll be really, you know, interesting to see, you know, kind of how it goes down and um, you know, where, where it lands. But as far as what the magic would have to give, I would say it's, it's got to start with Aaron Gordon and probably Vooch, because Aaron Gordon's the you know, the big future building piece, and then Vooch becomes the you know, the the win now piece that would be attached to it. Beyond that, I don't mean to be you know rude or or no, overly No, critical, do it. <laughs> I don't think the magic roster has enough to offer Boston that would interest them.
0: I and I agree I agree completely with that. And I, I say not I, I tell every one of my listener every one of my readers who asked me about the pick swap. Uh, nothing short. It's it's gonna cost nothing short of a superstar. Um, before we move on to the magic, um, we are recording this uh at at about nine forty-five, and LeBron James just hit the most ridiculous game tying (laughs) three pointer (laughs) that I have ever that I have seen in a very long time. After he missed a layup, after he traveled on a on a a missed layup, yeah. Um, but that was just insane, (laughs) and it deserves a pause in the podcast to to say that. (laughs)
2: Unbelievable! Yeah, this game has been nothing but if 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 I've seemed perhaps a bit distracted, it's because every time I look up, these two teams are throwing haymakers. I I
0: I am quite literally doing <laughs> the same thing, uh, and it's, it's it's heading to it's looking like it, it's going to head to overtime at this point. They're they're checking the clock to make sure they gave the Wizards enough time, but uh, as well as to see if LeBron was behind the three point line, which <laughs> there clearly was. Uh, yeah. And that man is not human. And uh, moving on now to the Magic. Um, which who are very, very human. Um, the Magic have, in addition to, to the Ibaka stuff, the, the Magic have been involved uh, seemingly in a lot of other trade rumors as well. Uh, outside of Ibaka, what do you feel like the Magic's trade strategy should be uh, as far as figuring out the roster? And, and realistically, I mean, I guess this gets to the bigger question. Realistically, what should their goals be for 2018?
2: Yeah, I think it needs to be, you know, and this is where I thought it was interesting, you know, that Rob Hennigan made the media rounds and he was very open and honest. And I thought he was extremely candid.
0: Much more that, than he usually is. <laughs>
2: yes, absolutely. And I think I think it was great for him to say, you know, things haven't worked out the way we hoped. But I think what was really good was him saying, you know, and, and I heard him on with uh, ESPN 580 here in Orlando. When they asked him, you know, right at the end, do you, are you afraid you're going to lose your job or some version of that question? You know, and he basically gave the answer of, you know, if I do, you know, a, I'm going to very much paraphrase. I'm not quoting no, very much. It. Paraphrase. But it was, if, if I do, it's because, you know, I didn't do a good enough job, but that's not going to change how I do business, you know, the rest of the time I have the job. So that's, what's really, you know, Kinda cool. I think it's good because the impression was Hennigan has no reason to sign up and trade away guys like Vooch or Elbaca for you know rebuild pieces because he's not gonna live to see the rebuild through. You know, he's gonna be gone. He's not gonna be the GM anymore. But on the flip side, would you know Alex Martins and ownership allow Hennigan to trade you know, let's just say an Aaron Gordon and an Alfred Payton for a win now piece that may not result in a playoff berth? So it becomes almost a no-win situation. So I think it was really cool to hear Rob, and I 100% believe and trust in him when he says, I'm not going to change the way I do my job. I So my thought is, and I think this is the way their leaning is, I think you're going to see a guy like a Baca, maybe a Vooch, go that rebuild direction. And that's what I would do is move those guys out, see what you can get back for them, but build the roster in a way that makes sense. The more Aaron Gordon at <laughs> the you know, get Aaron Gordon <laughs> at the four, you know, and I, and I've held to this. If, if that means you have to trade both Vooch and Abaca, that's fine. You'll put Gordon and Biombo as your four or five. That's fine. You know, you can get by with that. That's not going to be an issue, yeah. especially if you can get a shooter in at the three, you know, and that's, those are the moves I would start to make now is, you know, what can we do to get the next pieces for the next iteration that frees up a little cap space, which I'm sure is like, yeah, which turns into Bismack Biombo, and Jeff Green, and DJ Augustine. But it becomes a, you, you have to do something. And that's for me, is I, that's the direction I would move in. Yeah, and uh, the
0: way, the way I've, I, I think that's generally the way I'd, I'd go too. I, I've been calling it sort of a, a soft reset to the rebuild. Yeah. Um, I, the way I kind of see what the Magic need to do is get back virtually to where you were at the beginning of the summer where you still have all these nice young pieces. Maybe you add in a veteran to where, and you do what you probably should have done this summer after a a 10 win improvement and say, you know, we've got something building. It's maybe taking a little longer than we wanted wanted it to take, but something's building here. We just need to add the right pieces, make the right tweaks, hope guys continue to improve and and trust our internal improvement. And we'll be in the playoff conversation. I mean, I I think even, even, I mean, I felt like I was one of the more optimistic people, uh, I still felt like the Magic were a 40-win team, which is about what I thought they needed to be at anyway with where they're at in the rebuild. I mean, I think Scott Skiles even said this at at exit interviews last year. It's easy to go from 25 to 35 wins. It's not that that isn't an accomplishment. It's harder to go from 35 to 45 wins than from 25 to 35 wins. And so essentially the Magic had to try and take that next step, and I think they tried to do it all in one fell swoop rather than continuing a kind of methodical build up to it uh, and and just kind of hope that, you know, things finally click in Um, the big piece that I think you hit on that I do absolutely agree on. And I think this has been Rob Hennigan's biggest weakness as a general manager. He's really good at collecting talent and finding talented players. He's not good at putting those players on the same team in a position to help each other succeed, to have Mm -hmm. a lineup. I mean, I I just did an article today on the Magic's three point shooting. Um, It's not pretty, uh, To have a lineup with, you know, potentially that would have had Alfred Payton, Victor Oladipo, and Aaron Gordon all together, your perimeter players aren't good shooters. And that's going to be very tough in in the NBA today. And, you know, you might really believe in Alfred Payton, but it was always a question mark to pair him with a guy like Victor Oladipo, who just was not a great outside shooter. And their skills didn't complement each other very well.
2: Yeah, and that's... I said this, you know, last year, if, if I had come on your podcast last year, I would have told people my biggest problem with the Magic roster is there's far too much duplication on it. And it was, you know, I never thought Oladipo and Fournier were both going to work unless one of them committed to, I'm fine with being the sixth man. Yes. which Oladipo never really said, I know we had that stretch last year where he came off the bench for a little while. And I, I actually think he'd be a fantastic sixth man.
0: Because I do too.
1: But yeah, but at the same at the, well, same, ta-
0: at the okay. same time I, I I also agree with him and and some of the notions of the Victor Oladipo fans that Victor Oladipo deserves to figure out if he can be a star.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That I 100% agree with. Plus, who wants to have as you're walking into your contract extension summer? You know, hey, yeah, you know, we pulled you out of the starting lineup, and now you're sixth man. Yeah. You know, you know, nobody wants that either. And, so and, would, and
0: to yeah. all Magic fans who think he would have signed the same contract he signed in Oklahoma City and Orlando, that's crazy. Uh, he was, he was. Nope. I mean, uh, we can relitigate the Victor Oladipo trade another day, and, and certainly it hasn't worked out, but I, I still feel like it was the appropriate risk to take with Oladipo because he wasn't developing into the star that the Magic needed.
2: Yeah, and for my money, and I continue to hold to this, even with, with you know, potentially things showing us, they're going in a slightly different way. I think Fournier is the better player. I've said it all along. I think he's the better all-around player. I think he's the better player for this NBA. I think he's had a rough season this year, and I don't know how much of that. And I is think, him. and
0: I think part of that's just the roster they put together around him. Yep. I mean, it doesn't matter.
2: That's, that's exactly where it's going. I don't think it's him <laughs> the guys around him. You know, and that's not that's not to make an excuse for Evan Fournier because yeah, you know, there are definitely things he could could do better as well.
0: And he's, I think he's, all right. on all, and on top of that, he's being asked to do things that he probably isn't capable of doing quite yet, sure. or ever. <laughs> you
2: know, my single biggest thing is, if you can't shoot in the NBA
0: now, you're gonna
2: be, you're gonna be bad, and that's really where where they are. And I don't think unless you have elite shooting at the other four positions, you can't get away with a point guard who can't shoot. You know, and as as I, we mentioned right off the top. Um, you know, I'm a Boston guy. You know, that's where I grew up. I watched every single minute of Rajon Rondo's Boston Celtics career. And every time I watch Alfred Payton, all I can think is he is as bad a shooter as Rondo was, but less good at everything else Rondo was elite at. And that's not good enough. You know, that's going to be the single biggest challenge for me is unless the Magic put four shooters around Payton – you can't scheme around it. Because we we watch it every night. They go to run, and pick and roll, to his defender falls so far off him that it screws up everything else. And then you're stuck with Peyton either dribbling it or launching a ill-timed, bad three pointer. And, you know, it gets so frustrating to watch. You know, and now you pair that with the fact that he's on the court a lot with Gordon, who also can't shoot. And then due to injuries, right, they've had, you know, all kinds of other, you know, mixing and matching going on. So you just really are in a position where you just you can't make it happen. Yeah, with yeah, the way it's set up today.
0: And and I mean, I mean, and and and, and we've written a lot about it. And our good pal Chris Barnwell um, also wrote a bit about it for the Step Back. Uh, you know, when Alfred Payton's really good, he does make the magic better. I mean, he, oh, can he does, be, Yeah, he can be very good. But uh, there, I have I have two theories about bad teams because every in my opinion, everyone in the NBA can play. There are there are no like bad basketball players in the NBA. It's just about, are you playing the right role for your ability level? And the teams that do poorly are the teams that have guys who are in roles that they can't fulfill. Um, Now, sometimes it's a risk you take and some, and it's something that you got to see and experiment with. Like I, I mean, you got You got to kind of figure out if they, if they can, I mean, the magic had every right to see if Victor Oladipo could be their star. and, after two years trying that and him not really getting to that level, they kind of knew he's, he's not going to be an all-star. Um, right now, Evan Fournier is kind of the, the secondary playmaker for the Magic, and that's not a good role for him, especially uh, on a team that doesn't have a lot of shooters because he's not going to be able to create his offense one-on-one. He needs a pick and roll. He needs uh, to attack rotation, rotations as they're trying to close out. That's how he gets to the basket. And that's yeah. how he creates for others. He can't do it from a standstill position, and especially with the floor so constricted without any shooters, you know he's really limited. And that's not to say they should build around Evan Fournier, but again, it's an example of the team not putting a player in a position that he's most likely to succeed. And I think that's been the biggest problem for the magic throughout this rebuild, and more specifically this season
2: yeah and you know for me is i'm in agreement with you is that i don't know that 48 you build the whole team around him but you have to build part of it around him because you just paid him 17 million dollars for the next five years so he's obviously seen as someone who's going to be a big part of your team so you have to do something to help his skill set and build things you know at, at this point it did we, we you know we we got into you know what should the magic do i would under no circumstances entertain any trades that in Gordon or Peyton anywhere because you're just you're not going to return anywhere near the value on either one of them, you know, so you're better off hanging on to those two guys. And even if that means the rest of the season is rough and you're still figuring stuff out going in the next season. Fine. So be it. You know, that's that's not the end of the world. You'll know, hang on to those two guys on the flip side. The other disappointing young guy Mario. I would consider what they can get for him just because I don't know Mario Mario's ever going to get it. And if he can, what, what really— he's,
0: he's clearly not going to get it in Orlando at this point. I mean, yeah. no, it's no offense to Mario. I, I, li- I like the kid. Um, it, he, he, it does seem like he's putting in the work. It's just not clicking for him here. Yeah, and sometimes and, guys it, just need a new situation.
2: Yep, and that's what we said, right? We said it in the Ibaka tree. Maybe you get a young guy who needs you know, a change of scenery. Well, I think Mario's a young guy who needs a change of scenery. And what clinched that for me was when Bortney was out and Meeks got hurt and Wilcox couldn't play, and it was C.J. Watson for 40 minutes a night, and Mario still couldn't even sniff the floor. At that point, it really said to me, "All right, it's done. It's done here in Orlando for this guy. It's time for him to go somewhere else and figure it out. And we will see, you know, where things go, you know, from there." I am. Uh, you know, and it makes me sad because I had so much hope and promise for Mario coming in the league. I still remember, and I know you probably remember this clearly, that bounce ball alley jam in the yep. preseason game, yep. Aaron Gordon. And I was like, sign me up for season tickets right now. I will pay whatever it is to watch these two guys as teammates for the next decade. Done. Lock it in. Yeah. And, you know, and it's it hard, and it's hard
0: to say exactly why things fell off the rails. I mean, yeah. I think Scott Skiles kept a tight leash on him, but it was yeah. it was deserved and he still produced. And this this year he just hasn't been able to figure out what the coaching staff wants from him, especially defensively. But he hasn't been able to supplement that. His He hasn't been able to counteract his defensive shortcomings with his offense. And that's yep. supposedly what he was going to be good at in the NBA. I mean, I think for Mario, it's, he's still figuring out what his NBA skill is.
2: Yeah. And that's exactly it. It's, you know, what's this guy going to be? You know, we were sold on, he's, he's a knockdown shooter. Okay. Well, we haven't really seen that. Then we were led to believe, you know, all right, well, Mario will be, he's a guy who can be almost a backup point guard because he's, Mm -hmm. you know, because he can handle the the magic
0: did that as rookie year a little bit. Yeah.
2: Yeah. A little bit, you know, and then that's not really the case. And and you hit the nail on the head and I'm not saying anything. Everybody who hasn't watched the magic a million times now, and Frank You'd Vogel said it from day one. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Unfortunately. It's um but Frank Vogel said it from day one, first day immediate media day. If you don't defend, you're not gonna play. And I think he even said it at the draft, you know, when they when, you know, they were talking about acquiring a at the end of the night. He's been consistent with that. And Mario doesn't defend. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've watched him launch a three, watch it. Half wave at a guy dribble by him, or half wave as a pass gets thrown over his head in transition. There's, you know, just the effort is not there on the defensive end to be there. And there's even been some questions and some reporting that, you know, is he a, uh, you know, a good, um, you know, is he is he a good practice player? Is he putting in the effort, you know, that he needs to there? The team says he is, but then you talk to some others and they say eh, maybe. You know, maybe not. So it's it's really interesting. You know, I think it's it's time for Mario to go somewhere else. You know, and if that means you package, you know, Mario and a and that returns you a better prospect or young guy than it could have because the other team's looking at it and saying, we've got help now in this future piece, then do it, move on from it, and get going into the next iteration.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, uh, just just to kind of bring it back to, to the trade deadline a little bit, uh, it, it sounds yeah. like the big need for the Magic, the, the thing that both of us kind of think, the magic have to find a way to get in this trade deadline to start setting themselves up for the future is some shooting particularly yeah. wing shooting probably at the three.
2: Yep. 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 That's exactly where I would go. I think you've got your backcourt with Peyton and Fournier, get Gordon back to the four where he belongs and then get a shooter, you know, and, it, and, you know, we, if we had another hour, we could go through that full list of, <laughs> yeah. you know, here, here's all the young shooters available, you know, I encourage anybody to look it up and try and figure it out. And, Go from there and if it's one of those where it's a guy who doesn't uh you know maybe he hasn't quite fit where he was or something like that that's that's what i would do i would go and get that and i think what we would see is this could be one of those deals where you use this last 20 or so games after the trade deadline to prepare yourself into the summer you know where it is really like oh, wait now hold on a second here now we got a shooter we got guys playing in the right positions it adjusts I think then we're gonna really know a lot more about what it is. You're not gonna have these unknowns. Yeah. And that we have.
0: Not to mention you're gonna have a, a draft pick coming up and what's looking like a pretty loaded draft um, as it is, or at least what a lot of people feel is a pretty loaded draft. Um yeah. and you know, that's again an opportunity for something. Uh you know, you never know what your trade assets will get you. I mean, it's a it's not a very center heavy draft, so maybe you hold on to Nikola Vucevic and shop him around at the at the draft to teams yep. looking to improve their center position and not finding it uh, in, in, the, in the draft because Vucevic is still a very affordable contract and, and, and the Magic could possibly get another draft pick for, for that or, or, or something else as well. Um, yep. they're, they're, I, 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 I give Rob Hennigan credit for this. He was told, I mean, he clearly put all, all his eggs in on this season, whether he was told to or not. Um, he clearly put a lot of commitment into this season. Uh, and even the Tobias Harris trade, I, I thought this too, it wasn't necessarily a good deal and certainly wasn't a good deal but he gave himself outs there there is still some flexibility mm-hmm. there's still things the magic can do to put themselves back on a better track and obviously it, it still comes down to what do you do on the basketball court if you, yep. if you play if you play well on the basketball court you know everything looks great if you struggle on the basketball court every decision looks terrible um and and so it, it still comes down to that but the ability to shift and change plans is still present and I think that's that's a credit to that's that's something no one's going to talk about with Rob Hennigan is that he put all his eggs into the basket of the 2017 season and yet we're still talking about the magic being active looking for trades to try and improve the roster and make it more palatable or reset it a little bit for next season which I think is is certainly you know an admirable skill you want in a general manager.
2: Yeah, absolutely and I think there the good thing is, they Rob Hennigan. For all that it's frustrating and you know pe- people are not happy with where the team is at, they have no bad contracts, which is good. You know, and I know some people. I are mean, old Biombo old and young.
0: Fournier in their first year, of the deal might be tough to
2: move, but I, I don't think they're onerous at all. I yeah, think, I, think not,
0: they can, I, I think they can be dealt.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's you know, and you'll have some team that'll look at it and say, oh, you know, what well, we can. We can bring those guys in to be our final piece, if if even needed, go you know, back then. And then you've got the, um, you know, and then the Augustine deal. I know people were really against it. For me, it was more the years and then the money. Sure. On that one, but you know, I think that'll be fine. You know, That's probably, just, they
0: probably needed the years to get him to come here. Yeah,
2: exactly. That's exactly what I think it was. And you it's know, a,
0: it's kind of the same deal with Jeff Green. Yeah, Jeff Green is fifty million dollars is a lot for Jeff Green, but it's yeah. one year. It doesn't hurt you.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The Jeff Green deal is not, I mean, that's no big deal. If if anything, they could even move him for a small asset yeah,
0: you know, this absolutely. year, potentially. You know, if
2: a team, yeah you know, we've all seen it. If know, someone it,
0: believes in Jeff Green, <laughs> if someone it, right. always believes in Jeff Green.
2: <laughs> I'd you're 100% right because I think the Magic are a team about like 10 to say, you know, oh, man, we can be the ones to on unlock Jeff Green. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, a, you know, so my thing, the one thing I would 100% not do is I would not make any moves that try to push towards the playoff push this year. Because even if you do get in, it's probably going to be at one or or excuse me at seven or eight, and are you beaten? You know, Boston, Toronto, and definitely not the Cavs? You know, and sure. it, it would take one of those monster, moves, you know. And I know, I'm sure you get buried in your time. Why are we not going after Jimmy Butler, right? And it's like, yeah, well, that's probably not going to happen.
0: I mean, if if you can if you can, great, but. I mean, I don't think the Magic have what the Bulls want for Jimmy Butler. Yeah, unless you're going or... to give, up, unless you're going to give up Gordon, Vucevic, sure. and your first round pick this year, and to me, that is just that's sacrificing your entire future for a 2017 run that is looking more and more impossible. Um, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll say this about the playoff run: I don't think the Magic should make a deal that nakedly looks like they're trying to get into the playoffs. But if it happens by accident, I'm I'm of the belief that if the Magic somehow went on a crazy run to make the playoffs that would be very, very good for this team because they would learn how to win very quickly and carry some momentum into the playoffs or carry some momentum into the offseason, get some playoff experience, even if they get swept. Uh, and I think that would be very beneficial to the development of a lot of their young players, especially if they decide to go young in that process. I, think that, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing in itself. I don't think you do it on purpose if that, if that part makes sense.
2: Absolutely no, it doesn't. You know what I look at it is very similar to to Boston two years ago. They were kind of hanging around the playoff picture, the fringes of it, and then they said, you know, hey Isaiah Thomas, this presented itself. I think we could get this guy. You know, let's let's make it you know let's see what happens. You know, let's grab him. And now all of a sudden you are sitting there where it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Now we've got Isaiah, and now we're starting to play great. They made the playoffs, and I'm of the belief that. You know, yeah, people always say, oh, I'd rather have the lottery pick than just the one who gets swept by you know, the Cavs or the Warriors or whoever. But there is a point in time where you you want that playoff experience, and that goes a long way for a rock star. On the flip side of that, we both live here in town, right? We know where the Magic are trending right now is very dangerous for the health of the franchise.
0: Sure. Beyond, I mean, called, Bianchi, Bianchi had his yearly column saying, do people still care about the Magic?
2: Yeah, and it's, in you know, for me, it's, I always say, we're in the middle, right in the middle of, you know, college football country. So in the fall, no one cares about basketball. You know, let you you could go back to the Shaq and Penny days and people would be like, ah oh, yeah, but Florida State's on. I'm going to stay home and watch it. Right? Sure. You know, Florida's
0: I, Hey, I still, I still hold it over my mom's head. Like I, I, uh, this is how much of a magic junkie I, I've always been. I still am angry at my mom that she did not let me go to uh, the magic game against the Raptors, the night of the nineteen ninety seven Sugar Bowl when Florida played Florida State, <laughs> I'm, still, cause, cause I'm still because yeah. I'm still I'm a- still I'm still angry about that because a I was like seven or eight years old at the time. I only got to go to games on weekends and holidays, so that was a holiday. <laughs> game. That was that was a precious game that I did not get to go to. And Ronnie Sykley hit a game winning basket in overtime to beat the Raptors, and Florida blew out Florida State. And I was just like, we missed the better game, Mom.
2: <laughs> yeah, there it is. See, but you're but I think you're in the
0: I'm the exception. <laughs>
2: And then on the flip side, right? Then you've got in the spring, we've got Orlando City getting ready to start. Yep. For anybody who's not here, you yeah, know, let's listening to this today. Orlando City is massively popular. People and, 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 and are- they
0: and, and I you know, I, I I've never I, I'm I, I Orlando the Magic have always been very positive and supportive of Orlando City. But I am very curious what their actual feelings about Orlando City are because they've Orlando City literally came around when the Magic were at the worst stretch in franchise history. This is the worst five-year yep. stretch in Magic history. Orlando yep. City has come around and just completely changed the narrative of sports in Orlando in, in, in such a major way. Uh, yeah. And uh, um, you know, you even see the Magic now trying to do things that Orlando City does. And Orlando City fans, there, there's a good chunk of them who just laugh at the Magic and and how kind of you know they. You know, there, there's a good chunk of Orlando City fans that want nothing to do with the Magic because they're, you know, because soccer is just a different kind of sports culture than that than the yep. NBA is, and the NBA is a little bit more corporate. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, there's me, there's definitely some there's definitely I mean there's there's partnership, but there's definitely some competition that's going on, and the Magic just can't compete with them right now, especially with Orlando City getting a new stadium and and you know creating all this buzz within the city.
2: Yeah, and when I look at it, I look at my friends who have either grew up here or have been here for a while. And the ones who love the magic, even some of them have hit, hit the point now where they're, where they're apathetic. And that's worse than anger. Anger sure. is fine. You know, being sure. mad at the team. But when people don't care, that's when you're really in trouble. And that's where things are starting to trend. What the magic or could end up being is a nice little distraction from Christmas to, say, springtime, when football's wrapping up, and
0: Orlando City's not started, Orlando yet. City hasn't
2: started, and that's not what you want to
0: be. Yo, I mean, and that's, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Orlando City and the Magic, do, their seasons complement each other. Orlando City runs in the summer; the Magic run in the winter. Um, and and I think winning cures all ills. I I, I do believe that. If the Magic absolutely. start, if the Magic start winning, fans will go to the Amway Center. Um, you know, I, I I I saw that Bianchi article, and I said, you know what, the Magic have had more sellouts this year than they did all of last year already so you know maybe there's some residuals from the promise of making the playoffs and that optimism has kind of died out and so I'm I've heard this more from people than I've ever heard it from before I'm very curious if um, I'm very curious if the season ticket season ticket holder numbers hold up Alex Marnes has always said season ticket ticket holder numbers have stayed strong that they're continuing to 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 sell season ticket season tickets, uh that corporate sponsorships have remained strong and, and have been as good as they've ever been. But again, this is the longest stretch the magic have ever been out of the playoffs. This is the worst five year stretch in magic history. Something's gonna give at some point.
2: Yeah, and it's always been for me with the Magic, there's there was in the early days there was Shaq. Then there was Dwight. You know, so there's always been that that super duper star to build around and to sure. say, I'm watch this guy. And that's what they don't have right now, and that's that's okay. You know, there's only so many. But I mean, in,
0: in fairness, to, in fairness to that argument, they had Tracy McGrady, who was you know one of the five best players in the league when he was with the Magic, and the stadium was empty. I mean, they almost moved when they had McGrady.
2: You know what? I always go with
0: with a guy like McGrady. He didn't have that you know that cachet, yo,
2: of know, sure. Shaq and Dwayne. You know, I mean, for all sure, that, sure, sure. Real real basketball fans love him. It's the Yo, you're, he, didn't you're have the he
0: didn't have the personality yeah. to go with it. Yes. The,
2: the casual fans that you need to win over. So, you know, Aaron Gordon's a lot of win. <laughs> but yeah, that, that doesn't help either. So, yeah, you know, so what I always say is, you know, you want Aaron Gordon to be a fun guy. And it's going to be cool, right? Because he's going to be in the dunk contest here in a, here in a couple weeks. And that will be really fun. And everybody can get behind that. And hopefully that gives the franchise a little positive buzz coming out of it. and you know, it seems at this point to be the odds on favorite to win. But if nothing else, you know he's gonna put on a show. So that's that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, that'll, but that'll then, generate some buzz for the team, but that's yeah. not games on the floor.
2: No, but you hit it exactly right. You gotta win. You gotta start winning ball games. And for me, if it takes one more year of all right, let's take a little step back and then we can start figuring this out and go from there, you know, then then you move forward. You know, there's no reason to push you know, too hard on this one, you can really you know, kind of go go from there and figure it out and then push forward. So, you know, it, it this, it sounds weird to say coming off of, you know, all of a sudden it's such an important summer for the Magic. It's just as important of a trade deadline to see which direction they go. One thing I think they absolutely can't do, they can't stand pat.
0: Yes. You know, they've got to do something. You know, yes. something has to and, yeah. and, I, and, I've, and I think this is probably the, the most important trade deadline. This is probably what's going to happen at the trade deadline is going to determine the next two or three seasons for the Magic, with, without mm-hmm. doubt, in my opinion. Um, f- speaking of the future and providing some hope, I, I think the last question that, that I have for you before we wrap this up, we've already gone over an hour here. Um, is there any sense of what Aaron Gordon and Alfred Payton are going to get for their extensions, um, which I think are due up this summer?
2: If if they're
0: they're going to get even offered extensions.
2: Yeah. I I think Gordon definitely is. And I think you're going to be looking at something, you know, with, with the inflation and the cap and all that factored in probably something similar, like what Oladipo got to lead off with, unless you see him play out of his mind from, you know, the all-star break on. And that's going to be interesting to see. I think, you know, in some ways it's better for the magic if he doesn't, he comes a little cheaper, then if he doesn't can hold the, the team to paying him a lot more. So that'll be really, uh, really interesting to see. Peyton, I, I've I talked to a lot of people, and a lot of people said it's going to depend with, if he's willing to take a discount, you know, let's say something in the $14, $15 million a year annual range, then I'll get done with the magic right away. If he's not, it's very likely that he ends up hitting restricted free agency. In seeing is someone willing to go all in on him and give him a whole bunch of money, and then the Magic, will, of course, retain the right to match and can go from there. So I think it's more likely Gordon gets extended, just because I think he's. Well, will
0: he? Will he accept it? Is the bigger question, I think. But
2: yeah, I think that's interesting too. You know, and and the other thing for me again, if I was the Magic, you know, if they don't accept it, then let them play it out. Let them go into go into being restricted free agents and see. You know, where it lands there because they'll still, own. you know, they'll still have all the rights on them to match if they they need to and want to. So, you know, I I think it's going to be curious. I think it's going to be one of those, you know, a lot of times with these guys heading into their fourth year is do you sign the extension or do you bet on yourself? Because you can either make yourself a ton of money or you can lose yourself a ton of money over the course of that one season.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, I think I think we will leave it at that for today's episode. Kind of a preview for what we'll be talking about throughout the summer, I am sure. Uh, Keith, uh, tell everyone where they can where they can find you if they're not following you already. They should be. Uh, where where can they where can they find your work and find you on Twitter?
2: So you can find me on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA K E I T H S M I T H NBA no spaces no special characters nothing like that. And then you can find my written work uh, just about everywhere. it Feels like these days. But Real GM, you can find me at Celtics blog for Celtics specific coverage. Fanrag Sports, I write the daily skip pass column, which is our wrap-up column around the NBA of all the previous night's action. And then you can find me at our new venture, 16windsaring.com. 16windsaring is something we're really excited about. We launched just before Christmas, so we're about a month and a half old now. A lot of really good, fun, talented writers there. Our goal is never clickbait, nothing like that, just presenting high-quality basketball analysis out there to the masses, and hopefully you can find something you'll enjoy on 16windsorin.com.
0: Awesome. Definitely check that out. It is a a fantastic site, and always check out out Keith's work on uh, on Twitter as well as, as all the other places. That he writes. Keith, I want to thank you for, for joining us today on the Locked On Magic podcast. Uh, of course, everyone, you can follow me on Twitter at Omagic Daily. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic, as well as on Facebook at Locked On Magic. Be sure to subscribe on Audioboom, iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher, all the fun places that you can download podcasts right to your podcast enabled listening device. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Rossman Reich. We will see you all tomorrow on another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ace is the place with
1: the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99.